0: Centre at Seven, the mother of Sarah Everard says she's haunted by the horror of her daughter's killing. Family impact statements have been read out at the sentencing of the police officer who kidnapped, raped and murdered the marketing executive. The old bailey heard Wayne Cousins falsely arrested Sarah to get her into his car in South London in March. Simon Harding, a senior detective who worked on the case, wonders on what grounds.
1: He could have made up a law. He could have said anything he wanted to, to get her into the car. I mean, he could have used COVID as a reason to get her into the back of the car and said, you're breaching COVID rules and arrested her. You know, Sarah wouldn't necessarily have known every single
0: law. The Conservatives are portraying Labour as more divided than ever with no plan. Sir Keir Starmer used his big conference speech to insist the party can win the next election, labelling Boris Johnson a trickster. The big rise in the cost of wholesale gas has forced the collapse of three more smaller suppliers. Enstroga, Igloo and Symbio are the latest to fold. The government has mobilised a fleet of tankers to help ease the petrol crisis. Fuel suppliers say things are improving now at the pumps. A statue of Wales's first blackhead teacher has been unveiled in Cardiff bronze monument to Betty Campbell is said to be a permanent reminder of her work as a teacher and as a champion of equality and diversity. Her daughter Elaine Clark has thanked the sculptor Eve Shepherds. The statue captures my mum right to, you know, right down to a T. It's very expressive. In fact, I feel quite emotional. It's amazing. Eva's done a fantastic job. The fact that she depicted her as a tree protecting others. To sport, and Manchester United aim to get their first points of their Champions League group campaign tonight. They face the side that beat them in last season's Europa League final, Villa Real at Old Trafford. Holders Chelsea are in Turin to take on the Italian giants Juventus. Both won their opening group games. That's the latest. I'm Creation.
2: This is <laughs> Phoenix FM. on 98 FM and online this is Phoenix FM
3: We're not a city, we're not a town We're the only one of us around And you know where we can be found When Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the vest Whatever challenge, whatever test We'll lay an orient from each hand
4: and from that's the idea well hello good evening and welcome to night's Orient hour i'm jamie stripe sitting in for billy herring and thank you for joining us as we look back at last saturday's spiky encounter with mansfield town and forward to this saturday's encounter at port Vale. later in the show we'll be hearing from o's boss kenny jacket following on from last saturday's nil nil stalemate with the stags and then dave victor as he say with victor's view We'll also be having a word on the phone with ex-Orient player Mark Warren and looking back on his playing days at the club and what he's up to now. So don't miss that one in around 15 minutes' time. Also, we have some cracking guests on the show this evening, so I can say good evening to Richard Priest. Hi, Jamie. All right, sir?
5: Yeah, good. Thank you, mate.
4: Good, good. And uh, Barry Galvin's in the house.
2: Good evening, Jamie, although I think you should have announced our last guest first, to be fair, top of the bill.
4: Well, you know what, I'm just saving the best till last, because ladies and gentlemen, it's my privilege to introduce a true Orient legend, Mr Terry Howard. Yeah, good evening everyone. Yes, yeah, Mr Mansfield's hat-trick himself, there we are. It did cross my mind at the weekend, yes, yeah, they yeah. could have done with one or two of my goals that day. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely, I had everything, that hat-trick I seem to recall. So, uh, we'll be looking back at that Mansfield game in a moment, but first of all, over to Kenny Jackets interview with from last Saturday
6: Well, Kenny thanks for joining us that game had everything but goals
7: yes yeah, slightly slightly frustrating at the end for us I thought first half was quite cagey 50 um, 50 uh, they you know, do carry a threat obviously Danny Johnson coming back to his old club and, and you know Oaks who's a really good scorer in the National League last year you know so they have got some firepower definitely And, um, you know, for us anyway, at half-time, we did feel we needed to up it. Uh, And we did. I thought second half, we were very, very good. Created a high number of chances, a very good um, uh, uh, and and sort of incisive way up until the final third without even being able to find that final ball or the finish. And that's something that we've been very good at so far this season. But, you know, for our forward players, if you like. Uh, um, you know, there's plenty of situations, and I do think they've got the quality to score goals. Unfortunately, in the second half, it wasn't quite their day, and, and we couldn't get the you know the,
6: the, the first goal for a set piece either today. It was a busy afternoon for the referee Benjamin Speedy. I made it four penalty appeals for the O's. The strongest seemed to be the first, the handball with Hewitts.
7: Yeah, there's there's certainly I, I I think two where it went you know ball to hand and and. It, is it or isn't it you know we have to accept the referee's decision anyway um, but what I do know is that if you keep creating good situations then the percentages do work for you and and you know whether we should have had uh, penalties or not is is is, is irrelevant now because he didn't give it but you know from my point of view you have to keep getting into those situations and things will work out for you definitely and you know we, we did enough today without being able to find that final ball or that finish but you know we have the players to do that, and they have. You know, if you take Tom James for example, you know, forget about the forwards, but Tom's scored, you know, a key goal and, and a high amount of assists. You know, he got himself into a great position, started the second half, and then repeatedly down the right-hand side has been a good provider for us. And uh, if we keep doing that, we do know his quality is there. Uh, unfortunately, just couldn't quite select the right ball at the right time today. The substitutes almost had
6: the impact you wanted as well, particularly Saturio denied by the woodwork.
7: Yeah, and this is exactly the situation that you're putting him on for. And, you know, he's dipped to to head it when he he thought it was an easy volley. Uh, But, um, you know, he's very, very good in the box. You know, we we all know that. And and I I can tell the reaction of the crowd when he's around that there's perhaps a goal coming. So, you know, he's well rated here. And, And then, you know, my short time, here so far the goal, the goal against Bradford was a key one and a big one and, and you know that chance he just he just couldn't quite put the right side of the post but for forwards if they do get chances and opportunities then I do think goals follow and, and there's, there's there's shots opportunities for all of our players today.
6: Very quiet afternoon for Dan Johnson as we turn to Brisbane Road and that was because of the defenders and they defended so well. Yeah, we've got you know a decent number of clean
7: sheets now in a run of games, from probably Newport onwards, where you know it was our first game with three at the back. But um, you know we've been pretty solid and um, uh, uh, not given Lawrence a lot to do. You know we look in early games, Salford. You know Lawrence was excellent. Uh, um, uh, Carlisle, maybe Harrogate you know, but we have tightened up definitely dif- dif- defensively and, and that's been a, a good part and a base to go off but it is only a base and then you want to be able to uh, build on that
6: and go forward You've already mentioned the contribution that Tom James has made this season I make it that he can't play against Port Vale having picked up that yellow card late in the game Yeah, that's his um,
7: fifth booking and he'll be unavailable for one game which as you say is Port Vale have you got an idea of how you would place it? There's, there are options there, aren't there? Yeah, there are options, and, and you know have to get round these things, injuries, suspensions, they do happen, and you know when it comes, we'll, you know we'll be organised and we'll be ready, definitely. Any injuries picked up today? I don't think so. Initially, we are okay, and, and hopefully now for a, a run of away games, you know a lot of lot of draws in our division. All, all, all the top three all, all drew, drew nil nil. You know, so it's very tight. We know that. Um, we want to develop consistency. Performance-wise, we were good today. Maybe just that, that, that final ball, that finish. But similarly, I do think if we play like that, you know, in terms of um, uh, z- z- you know, z- zero to, to, to 97 minutes as it was, there was, a, there was a, a, a lot right about our performance that we can build on going forward. Another 5,000
6: plus crowd and it's a terrific atmosphere.
7: Yeah, there was. And in the second half, they were doing everything they can to assist the players. And great to see them get behind behind the lads. Frustrating that we couldn't give them the three points that they wanted.
6: Finally, for me, can I have an update on the longer-term injuries, Adam
7: Thompson and, of course, Paul Smith? Yeah, Paul Smith will be training next week, which is a good one, and has been a frustrating season for him so far, and, and for our front line will be a good addition. For, for Adam Thompson, it's a little bit longer, maybe another week or two to train in. And Riley
6: wasn't on the bench?
7: Yeah, Riley has a groin injury, and, and you know he certainly won't be around for the next three
4: games. Thank you, Kenny. Thank, Thank you. There you have it. Uh, not quite our day, according to Kenny. Um, Richard, what did you make of that performance on Saturday?
5: Yeah, I mean, obviously would have liked the win, but, you know, I thought Mansfield defended well, to be honest. Um, it was just one of those frustrating performances, I think, in the end, we, we did look good and I think, you know, had the game gone on, we could have scored. It wasn't one of those where I couldn't have seen a score in all game, you know, if it had gone on for another hour or so. So it was a good performance. I, you know, I think some people, from what I've read, were, you know, oh. You know, we wouldn't have got anything more out of that. But, you know, I felt it was quite a positive for a 0 nil performance. We were certainly the better team anyway, definitely in the second half.
4: Yeah, certainly not the worst 0-0 I've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, I thought the good thing about it, that Orient actually kept on plugging away. But I think when Sotirio hit the post with that header, like Kenny said, you knew it wasn't going to be our day. Um, of course, there were two big penalty shouts, both at the north end of the ground. And the, the big one that everyone apart from the officials saw.
5: What do you make of that? I mean, the handball for me, definitely. I, I, it's tough because I, I haven't seen it back. Um, it wasn't on the highlights that I saw. But, yeah, I mean, the second I saw it, the first thing I thought was, it's got to be a penalty, surely. Um, but I saw, I could see the linesman from where I was sitting pointing to his chest to say, it would actually come up and hit his sort of chest, shoulder area. Um, and, you know, I hadn't, he had his back to me. So I, I could have been wrong, but from where I was from behind it, it, it looked like a penalty. Um, but that one, that was the one I, I thought probably was. But, um, you know, sometimes I didn't think the referee had a good game. If I'm honest, um, it's been a while since I've said that, really. Yeah. But um, I won't blame everything on him. I, I didn't think he had the best game, and he certainly didn't do us any favours. But on another day with another ref, we probably could have got one of those decisions. I would say.
4: Yeah, I have to say that there's gentlemen in the east stand of a certain vintage offering spectacles to the referee and linesman <laughs> and giving the old Ray Charles jokes. And <laughs> but yeah, but from where I was, I thought it was now done, But obviously, the linesman he did kind of got his flag and touched yeah. his shoulder I mean, you probably had
5: a better view than me actually Then, if you were in the east Stands, yeah,
4: yeah yeah it did actually look quite nailed on but it was a bad miss in my mistake but there we go so Barry frustrating performance what did you take from that
2: I was going to say that this gentleman of a certain vintage, if he's mentioned in Ray Charles instead of Stevie Wonder that's kind of puts him back even further <laughs> doesn't it you know
4: yeah. <laughs> older than Andy <laughs> Gilson
2: um, it's, no no, don't be silly. But no, the first one, I agree. I mean, obviously, us me being in the West End where I am, um, it looked like he it looked like he dipped down with his arms to handle the ball. It might have touched his shoulder, but it did look like a, a pen. to me. second one, no, just they him straight straight at him. So, but the ref, just want to point out that Harry Smith, they obviously done their homework. Everyone's going to do their homework on Harry Smith now because he's such a danger, six foot six striker. But they doubled up on him, put one in front, one behind for most of the throw ons and set pieces. But the amount of times that. Number six, who yeah. was there, converted centre back, had his shirt, and just pulling him down with his shirt. You normally get away with it once or twice, but it was happening yeah. consistently all game. Um, not, I don't like to discuss the officials really because it's best that we don't, isn't it? When well, that means they've had a good game, but you know, the fourth official can see it, the linesman can see it. Um, I'm surprised at the amount that he got away with. And Harry's just telling him all the time what he's doing. Yeah. And he, he got away with it all game. And I thought it was a really good performance, really. Result was one thing, performance is another. I thought the performance was good. Um, another day, we'd had two or three goals. Their keeper made two or three good saves, I thought. I oh, was all known for Man United, I think, isn't he yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, they did. They employed the tactics that I um, interviewed Omar Beckles for Man of the Match in the... Uh, in the um, uh, one suite as it's called now and um, he said he made a good point he said well you know we're second in the league and we've got the top goal scorer in the league and people are going to do that to us when they come in now they've done their homework they're going to set up they're going to set up to frustrate and to there's a rude word I'm not going to use but let's use that kind of tactics uh, and um, you know we're going to have to deal with it and most days so far we have aside from Harrogate which is a poor performance um, that aside um, yeah I thought it was a good performance and any other time it would have
4: been three points yeah I must admit Harry Smith got the sort of uh, close attention that normally reserved for petrol tankers this week but um I don't I, know what he's talking about <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think that Dan Kemp could have been bought on a bit earlier in case we had you know in case we could open him up a bit quicker I mean it, t- it did take a little time to us to get into our strides and Halfway through the second half, bought Kipriano, and then maybe if we'd bought Kemp, on do you think? I think the subs that they
2: sent Kipriano offers something going forward, doesn't he? And Kemp, it doesn't quite fit into that system, does he? Unless you're taking clay off and using two attacking midfielders, Um, I think it was going to be one or the other. Um, I don't think uh, Kenny's put a foot wrong. So, well, I'm sure he has. People have picked me up on that, but no, I don't think that was an issue for me. I mean, he's a good player, Kemp. Not knocking him at all, but it
4: was one or the other for me. Okay. Terry, in games like that, I suppose that the amount of chances that we made, we should have won. Do you think Kenny deep down is a bit annoyed that we didn't win that to keep the momentum
8: going? Yeah, without a doubt, because um, the standard that Kenny sets is a high one, and um, he'll look upon that as as two points dropped, as has been mentioned, good performance, he'll be pleased with that, but um, these are the sort of games when you're on top that you've got to convert your chances, Um, hopefully it won't come back to haunt us at the end of the season, but Generally the, the the standard of play has been good this season And we just touched on it there That I think right at the start of the season We couldn't change much from the bench But we're now talking about changing things from the bench So the squad seems to be getting stronger as well
4: Yeah and we've got uh, the likes of Smith to come back Very very soon hopefully Now a lot has been said regarding the impact Tom James has had This season at right back What do you make of him for what you've seen?
8: The little bits I've seen He's been good And, and as we say um, Important that he Joins in with the attacks Which he seems very comfortable doing You know We've got, we've got both sides now If you've got that option Of, a, of an attacking fullback It gives you another dimension uh, With regard to the way The team sets up With uh, the big fella up front um, The more people you can get Into crossing positions The better really
4: Yeah the, I think what's impressed A lot of people Is the fact he's actually Getting forward And then hurting Opposition defences And the standard of his crossing Is excellent so far Defensively, we've looked a lot better Since we've played three centre-halves With two wing-backs Is it a setup that you used to like playing in And what do you think makes it work for us?
8: Yeah, I mean, listen Each team to their own But I think, once again If you've got the versatility Of being able to play a flat-back four Or you've got the option of playing as a three You know, more power to you You know, um our fullbacks as I say it, it, it will suit them um, either way because as I say they're, they're very fluid in what they do so um, I only see it as a good thing really you know, to, that we can do that
4: Now towards the end of that game things did get a little bit heated and uh, we saw that uh, Sinclair getting sent off for Manfield do you think he was a bit unlucky Richard and do you think that um, one of our guys Mitchell could have gone with him if, you, if the referee had been looking
5: No I mean I saw, in fact I saw today actually I think the they are bringing charges against us and Mansfield for this. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, he kicked out. You can't do that. If someone's seen it, which obviously they did, it's, it's a red card. Mm. Uh, the Mitchell thing, I mean, the guy went down so easily. I, I think he was probably, his teammates were embarrassed for him. And, mm. and the player who got sent off, to be honest, he was where I sit next to the dugout. He was walking towards the dugout. And um, the the assistant, assistant manager, Nigel Klaas' assistant, literally, you know, I won't repeat what he said, but... You know, the guy was trying to argue his case and he, he just pointed down the thing, told him to get down there. So, you know, they, they knew it was a, a, a mistake from me. What I gather is a young player. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll learn from that, I suppose. And I, th- I think he'd like been subbed on as well, hadn't he? He yeah. was would only been on 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, short short periods for him. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, for me, you know, there wasn't much in it. I was surprised to read that today that they, they have actually charged the clubs. Because, I, you know, it seemed to be over him. Maybe it went on longer than I thought saying that, but... You know, it seems to be over in a few minutes. I didn't think there was much in it at all, really. Just the red and that was it. Okay. Barry, we're nine games into the season now.
4: Has our start surprised you, or is it what you expected at the beginning of the season? (coughs)
2: Excuse me. Um, I thought that um, we obviously vying for the playoffs. We're looking for one and a half points, aren't we? Mm -hmm. Trying to be technical. So we're ahead of where I expected us to be. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, um, I did believe that we could be top seven this season. Uh, So to be second is is a pleasant bonus. But having watched this play and what we've got, as a manager and what we, the squad we've got, I'm starting to become quietly confident that we're looking at... We, sorry, looking at... We could be achieving top three um, rather than top seven. And uh, anything less than that would be a disappointment. I mean, top seven, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with the start. And not only that, I'm pleased with the, the... I said I think I said this before, I'm not sure if it was on the show, but it feels like a new start this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and since uh, we lost Justin, it's kind of been two years of... Um, of mourning, and we'll obviously never be. You're going to just in Edinburgh stand, and quite rightly so, he's a legend at Orient. And but since then, we haven't reset from that period. And, and to this season, it feels like there's a, a new a new start, if you like, with, yeah. with Kenny Jacket, mm-hmm. Joe Gunn, who's a lovely guy, by the way, he's a terrific guy, he is um, and the new, the new squad, the new team, and they all seem to be on board, which is great. And we talk about getting the right players, but also the right characters, as Terry will know, mm-hmm. and everybody seems to be on board, even with the likes of Omar Beckles has come home, you know, he's come back where he comes from. He, said, he mentioned that on Saturday. So it's great to be home mm. and we're getting that feeling and you know, don't want to get carried away. We're yeah. getting a feeling in the squad that we did when there I say 13, 14 where everyone's pulling, everyone's on the same, you know, him sheet and um,
4: yeah, it's pretty good. Um, yeah. Happy. What do you think Kenny has brought to the team that maybe Ross struggled to
2: last season? Well, experience is the obvious word um, and contacts mm. Um and I do think it helps that he do not know any, he didn't know anybody. I mean, he's brought players in, but he doesn't he doesn't have that thing in the club where it was part of the, the you know, the. I've the, the, said it before. When when Ross took over from Justin, he went but from being mum to being dad, didn't he? It's it's a tricky transition. And I think Kenny clean sheet do not know anyone. This is how I do things. This is what you're going to do if you want to play for me. And and so far, so good. Mm-hmm.
4: Terry, have you been impressed with what you've seen so far? Yeah, I, I, it's going
8: back to what we just saying about expectation, I think that's changed. Um, I think at the start of the season, I personally was looking, thinking, yeah, we could nick, nick a playoff place. And like um, Barry just said, I think now, you know, I know, it's early days, but there we dream. You know, it's um, I, I look around the teams, the bits I've seen of other teams. And there's nothing to be scared of there at the moment. You know, you look at it and there's not, not a whole amount of big clubs or so-called bigger clubs in the division, or it would certainly be one of the biggest bigger sides in the division. And um, Kenny Jacket's massive for us. You know, he, um, just going back to what you say about management, I think with, with Ross, I don't think everyone quite believed in, in what he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. I think everyone actually is, is, is pulling with Kenny. They believe in him, you know, which is a big thing.
4: Who have been the standout performers for you? Oh
8: well, the, the obvious one you go to is Smith up front because because he he makes it he he, he he you just said it earlier on um, teams are actually making provisions for him you know and listen he's nothing without service so it's important that you have all the players around him but but he's you know at the moment he's looking like he's going to be a handful for the season.
4: Oh, sounds good, Les. Right, so hopefully on the phone we have. Mark Warren, ex Orient legend. <laughs> Ready to talk to us. Hello, Mark, how are you? Hello, how are we doing? How? How's, how's deepest Cambridgeshire? Yeah,
1: yeah, very very rainy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: it sounds sounds about right. Um, how are you, sir?
1: Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Um, yeah, not too bad. Um all's well.
4: Good, good. Uh we've got a, a fellow teammate of yours, Mr Terry Howard in with us tonight.
1: Yep, hello Terry,
4: how are you doing? Well, how are you, mate? Not too bad, thank you. Good, you're good. So, I've uh, well, been wondering, you know, what you're up to now, and um, how did you end up in your neck of the woods after your playing career?
1: Yeah, well, um, my, my mother and father-in-law, so Joanne, my wife, um, her parents moved down here um, about 18 years ago, um, and they sort of built a house, and I basically we basically sort of up sticks and sort of moved down there and built a house, and we've been there ever since, really. Um, yes. Yeah, you're so,
8: not missing tech, Mark, no.
1: No, not really, Terry. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, it was a very, uh, very quiet life. Uh, it, it took me a while to adapt to life up here, but uh, yeah, certainly got the
4: So, um, what, what have you been doing with yourself nowadays? Uh,
1: so, so, basically, I'm a, I'm a self-employed builder, stroke landscaper. Um, so I, I work for myself. I um, also sort of do. Well, I, I did do some uh, some managerial. Uh, in a semi-pro game For my, my son's team um, So yeah So I'm still sort of In the football sort of industry But Not not at a high level But it's, you know it's, it's a good level
4: Yeah because you was at uh, March Town United Which is uh, Where my mum and dad Used to live Bloody hell Yeah, yeah so.
1: that's correct Yeah yeah So I've just recently Sort of left there mm-hmm. uh, Yeah I was there For a couple of seasons um, My lad uh, Brodie plays, plays, Still plays for March Town mm. um, so Yeah fantastic little club And you know They're sort of A step five team In a semi-pro game um, but Yeah no
4: are you hoping sure. to get back into coaching at some stage?
1: No, I think I'm going to take a little break from it. To be fair, because I've been sort of coaching um, sort of youth team football uh, since my lad was sort of under sevens, really, and I've sort of gone through the youth team sort of role and, and went up to sort of the men's football, the adults football. And uh, now I think it's now he's sort of at an age now where it's quite nice, quite nice to go and watch him and enjoy him really, and take a back seat and take the manager's hat off and have a dad's hat on. Yeah,
4: definitely, definitely. Now. We're looking back at your Os career this evening so let's start with how you came to be at the Os and what year was that
1: yeah well I think I think I was, I think I was there when I was about 13 14 I think Jimmy Alabone got me down there and, and Bernie Dixon um, and uh, I signed schoolboy was at 15 um, it happened really fast really and, and then from then I sort of went on to the youth team at late uh, you know sign a YTS there at late Orient, and yeah and you know I'd done my first year YTS at Leighton Orient and then my second year and you know I found myself being being pro so happened it happened really quick yeah
4: so was John Gorman your coach when you first it, got there
1: yeah he was john Gorman and and Jeff Pike as well so Jeff Pike was a my youth team manager for a little bit but um again I sort of done my first year and it's quite it's quite you know ironic really but you know as I, I remember sort of leaving the ground um after the season finished and but Peter Eustace was there, and he sort of come out and said to me, "You know, look after over summer. You got a nice surprise when you come back." And I didn't think nothing of it. I was walking to the train station, and uh, you know, I go back, and you know, I got pro formers in front of me at seventeen. So, yeah, it happened really fast.
4: Yeah, so, what what other players that we probably know were in your youth youth up You know, was in the youth team at the time.
1: Uh, so you had uh, Brett Patience, um, you had Barry Lakin, uh, Steve Yorkeir, uh, Mickey Tomlinson. Um, you know some great some great players, Bradley Gamble, uh, Lee Fowler. Uh, you know some really good players, George Rolls in goal. Um, really, really strong youth team.
4: And, and when you came back that summer, and uh, you, you know he was in Peter Eustace's like, uh, mind for a you know a place in the squad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what, what was it like? You know, what was it like playing under Peter?
5: Yeah.
1: No. He uh, said, well, Frank Clark was there as well. Um, you know, and yeah, it was it was all surreal really, because you had the likes of your, your Terry hours was there, and you know, you, it was quite daunting really. Uh, you had some players that you you know you really looked up to, and it was just quite. I was quite scared of him to be honest when he was a young lad. But
8: and so you should be.
1: No, it was all surreal. I remember cleaning eight nine pairs of boots, and you know, getting tips from from all the players, all the older pros, and it was you know being in and around it was just amazing. But I uh, found myself quickly sort of settling in and, you know, with the older lot sort of pulling the reins on me because, you know, I was a bit lively. And, uh, yeah, no, it sort of fitted in really well, really.
4: Can, can you remember your debut?
1: Yeah, I think, in a certain Mr. Howe get a hat-trick.
4: Was that your debut? I, th- I
1: think, I'm not sure if it was.
8: <laughs> well, I, re- I remember the hat-trick. <laughs> I remember that well. What's was
1: that? What year was that, Kerry? Was that
8: Band 92, was it? 92. Yeah, 92, yeah. It was. Yeah, I think it was. I think we played
1: Mansfield, and I think you got three.
8: Yep, I'm I'm three. Yeah, I recall it.
4: Yeah, uh, my memory's not brilliant at the moment, but
1: yeah, I, I certainly remember that day, because yeah, fantastic
4: day. You should have got man of the match, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Um,
1: yes, well,
4: Terry got that one Yeah yeah He just about scraped the vote In the supporters club I should
8: think <laughs> Actually on that Jamie Kenny Atchampong Was actually really Really uh, disappointed He didn't get it that day And to be fair to him I think he did set up Three of the goals But um, you know Peter yeah, Eustace did say Well
4: someone did get Atchampong so... <laughs> 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 um, Was it hard to break Into that side Of the early 90s And did you think That you wouldn't Get your chance
1: uh, yeah, I mean, again, you know, I was I was a, I was a right back at the time, and uh, I remember you team. I was playing sort of I was playing up front with uh, with Dave Thompson. You know, I think we played in the South East Counties League, and I think between us we got like seventy goals between us. I'm pretty certain. Um, and then I sort of found myself playing right back. And you know, when you got the, the players that you know, and I broke into that team, as some again some great players. Um, you know, or legends in my eyes, definitely. And uh, yeah, it was, it was all surreal, really. I think I played about 16, 17 games, and then obviously. Frank Clark went on to, to Forest and, and took me with him.
4: And uh, how, how did that kind of work out?
1: Uh, well, again, you know, it was, yeah, it was uh, not not brilliant, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, I think I went down there and, and, and signed and done my deal. And if I remember rightly, I think I was at really Short at the time because I had a call up for the under-18s for England. And I uh, had the phone because I went down there. And them days, you, you can sign and then have your medical after. Obviously, now it's the other way around. And I remember getting a phone call, Frank, saying, Mark, you know, you know, we can't sign you. I was like, what, why is that, you know? And um, he said, well, you, you, you've had an X-ray and it's come up on your back that you've, you know, got a pro slip disc and unfortunately we're gonna have, you're going to have to go back to Oregon, you know, I'll keep, you know, keep your out for you and and we'll go from there. But, yeah, I, I do remember actually doing my back. I think we played Bolton away and mm. I remember um, Danny Carr, I, I remember playing the first half, I was marking little David Lee, little left winger. Absolutely rapid, and I had my pocket. I you know, I, I had him all game, and then I went up for a header and I went over my back and I felt it. and I said to Danny at half time, I said, I can't move my back, and he was like, Shut up, I was Just get on with it. <laughs> uh, but I, I couldn't move, and I, I remember him dragging me in the second half. I thought, Something's wrong with my back here, and I just carried on, you know. And again, I knew something wasn't quite right, but I ended up going back to Orient and being out for about a year and a half, I think.
4: Yeah, yeah, and, and when you came back, I mean, you, were, you kind of come in the crest of the, the the club for a fiver season because Pete Eustace has left and the, the financial crisis was like yeah. kicking in, I mean, you know, what, what was that like?
1: Yeah, no, it was, it was uh, you know, it was a kind of strange moment because uh, to, be, to be fair, I, I mean, from that, that year and a half and when I sort of come back and I went a little bit wayward in all fairness, um, you know, as you would, I've just got this dream move and everything was you know, it was unbelievable, he was like, he's on cloud nine and you come back and everything got taken away from me, but I did come back, I, I got myself fit and got myself strong and I believe I went out on loan to West Ham um, for a couple of months and um, that, that sort of didn't materialise and I come back again um, and then yeah sort of just try to sort of stay focused and stay injury free really because you know when I had my first back operation I think after that I found it difficult to stay, keep myself fit, I got myself back to a level and then I'll have a knock back when injury again so it's difficult.
4: But well, you got more games and played as an emergency striker and, and scored that Hatch trick versus Peterborough. Talk yeah. us through it if you can remember it.
1: Uh oh, that's probably one of the most well, most apart from that was my debut with, with, with the legend was scoring that hat trick, but <laughs> himself. But yeah, that was 1995 I'll Never forget that day. It was a, yeah, amazing day. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of people didn't realise that I actually played up front as well because I could score goals, but I was a makeshift sure forward that, that 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 season. But yeah, no, that was a great day. Fantastic. Not just for me, but for my family as well, for my, for
4: my mum and my dad and everyone involved for me as well. Yeah, because I actually uh, rewatched that on YouTube today and uh, the first one was uh, a little lob over the keep after beating the offside trap yeah. after being put through by Terry Howard. It
1: was indeed.
8: What a great ball that was. I don't know if you meant it. Did you just mean it, Terry? Um, I can't remember it. Of course I did, though. <laughs> of course
4: I meant it. And the second one was a brilliant right foot shot from about 20 yards curled in top corner. It was. And the third one was a header from close range after Barry Lakin had hit the bar with a fierce drive and That was correct, yeah,
1: great strike from Barry Lakin, Basil was a fantastic player, Barry was And yeah, he, I mean that was worthy of a, of a goal itself But I remember following up and sort of banging
4: on the header from my Yeah, proper striker's instinct there So yeah, yeah. And then just over a week later we had the infamous Blackpool home game And uh, John's famous team talk, and I suppose I'll throw this out to Terry too Looking back now, yeah. did it do more harm than good in relation to geeing up the players?
1: Um, I mean, you know, John's philosophy in, in, in managerial and his, his style was how he wanted to do it, but, you know, whether that's right or wrong, um, a lot of people can question it, but it is what it is. I don't, you know, I don't hold anything against him or, any you know, at the time, and it is what it, it was, you know, at the time, but he thought what was right, but I certainly didn't agree with it, but I just got on with it and, brush
4: yourself off and go again don't you yeah well the the club obviously got relegated at the end of the season poor old Terry was sent down the road to to quote John yeah Um, but the club survived after being bought by Barry Hearn and then Pat Holland took over but didn't really turn things around and then Tommy Taylor arrived now do you think the arrival of Tommy in 1996 finally got the best out of you yeah
1: 100% yeah most definitely I I, I honestly feel that Tommy as a manager a lot of people sort of question him as a manager but for me he was what I needed um, he, he believed in me. Um, he actually turned me into a centre-half and that's where I kind of ended up with playing my career as a centre-half. I remember there was a game and he said, look, mate, we've got no center half. Do you want to play there?" I said, well, I can't. He said, you can. He said, trust me, you can play then. I remember playing there and doing ever so well. And then obviously it stuck and I've stayed ever since. But I think he just installed belief in me. I think his man management skills were second to none. Um, you know, and yeah, I, you know, again, I followed him after my pro game. I followed
4: him to the semi-pro game as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he paid you in the back three in that uh, '96-7 season, and you, you had some excellent performances. A great header to equalise at Fulham springs to mind. And you ended up winning the Player of the Year award. Did you think, did, that, yeah. yeah? Did you think your career was starting to blossom, and maybe a move higher up was in the offing?
1: Yeah, I did, yeah, I mean, I was. I was. that season was a fantastic season, not just for me, you know, obviously, you know, the team didn't do as well as we could, but the players we had, you look back at it on paper, what a fantastic team we had, and we didn't do as well as we should have done, but on a personal level, I felt that that's probably, I was hitting my kind of peak, really, at sort of 24, 23-24, um, yeah, and I know, obviously, you know, the Notts County move come off, you know, not long after that, but... Yeah, it was definitely the most enjoyable time I was playing my football,
4: yeah. Yeah, I mean, the following season, Taylor signed Dean Smith, Simon Clark and Stuart Hicks. So, what was it like playing alongside those characters?
1: Yeah, I mean, they were big characters. They, you know, they were massive characters. Smudger, you know, a fantastic player and obviously, you know, got on to do great things now. But, yeah, three leaders and I think, you know, with myself, I think it was that it was that time to move
4: on at the time. Yes, yeah, so, um, so plenty of competition for places, obviously. But you ended up yeah. on loan at Oxford, then that permanent transfer to Notts County. So, that's yeah. how that came about, and how you felt about leaving.
1: Yeah, it was crazy, really. I mean, I, I remember, uh, yeah, so I went on loan to to Oxford um, with Malcolm Shotton as manager, I believe. And I think like Dean Windass was there, and I went there for a, m- a month, done really well. And, and you know, I, again, I, was, you know, this is coming back off of, of me, you know, mood to Forest falling through, um, and you know, I'd done a deal with Malcolm Shotton. literally done it in a in a portal cabin because I was building their new stadium at the time. And uh, we'd, we'd done a deal, and uh, I think the you know agreed, uh, a fee and and whatnot. And, you know, I remember driving back after a game, we played Portsmouth away, and uh, rung the wife, and I said, look, you know, we're going to Oxford, you know, the deal's done, and and, the, and two days later, the club went into administration. So that fell through. <laughs> so, you know, again, it was another knockback for me. So, uh, again, I sort of went back to and got my head down, and then, obviously, you know, big Sam, Sam Anadise coming in and, and took me down to Knox County.
4: And you felt a little bit. Between your sadness leaving the O's, or was it the right time?
1: Oh, no, I think it was the right time for me to, to move on. But obviously, on is a massive part of my life—not just my life, I think my family's life as well. Being a local boy, um, being there since you know 13 and you know till, to 24, you know again, it still holds a special place in my heart. To be honest, I'll, I'll follow them now. I always will. Uh, yeah, great memories down there. Fantastic club.
4: Superb. Now, so you stayed at County till. To, uh, 2002, then you came back to Essex with Southend and Colchester. Was it then that you started to find the pro game becoming a bit too demanding?
1: Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say demanding. I think it was the book, my, my, the, my body was taking its toll with the injuries over the years because the way I played was, you know, I'd, I, was, I was getting injured. I'd, I'd come and get into the team, I'd, I'd, I'd have a 10, 12 game run and then get injured, then be out for 10 games, then come back. And I just found it hard to just keep myself fit all the time. You know, once I was fully fit, I was, you know, I was confident that I could. Play at a, a decent level, um, but I just think it took its toll in the end, and you know, that's you know I, that's when I decided to sort of come out of the program. But um, it was quite strange, when it was bizarre. Obviously, you know, Kenny Jacket's there now, but uh, when I left End he rung me and said, "Mark, do you want to come to Swansea?" He was at Swansea at the time, and that's one of my probably my biggest regrets that I didn't play under Kenny Jacket Yeah,
4: yeah. you had a few seasons in non-league. Did you enjoy your time playing at that level? And obviously, you linked up again with Tommy at Kings Lynn.
1: Yeah, yes, yes. So so basically I left Southend United and and Warren Hackett, who's a good friend of mine and still is, and we stay in touch. And Wayne Burnett uh, was at a club called Fisher Athletic and I've never even heard of them. I mean, it was crazy. Um, They said, look, come down, you know, the club's got ambitions and whatnot. And I found myself at Fisher Athletic with Wayne and Warren and kind of went from there, really. From Fisher, I then sort of linked back up with Tommy Taylor at King's Lynn.
4: And uh, I think you won the league there.
1: Yeah, we did. I was I was lucky enough. I had three back-to-back promotions uh, to Conference North. So I had um, a promotion with Fisher and then I went to King's Inn and we got promote, promoted to the Conference North. And then I went on to Corby Athletic after that um, and we got again promoted to to the Conference. So yeah, I had three sort of really good seasons and I was playing out. I felt really good. Um, but obviously injuries again, my knee sort of took its toll in the end. It was even my back and where I was thinking my back would probably be the, the one that's going to stop me. It was actually my knee that stopped me from playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, fantastic times in, in a semi-pro game, but uh, unfortunately it all has to end somewhere for us.
4: Yeah, I think it ended at Sudbury Town with one game and that was it.
1: That's correct, yeah, one game and, and my son, who was six at the time, turned around and said, Dad, was you really a footballer? <laughs> I just said, time to yeah. hang him up now. That's cold. <laughs> it, it, was, it was harsh, but it was fair. Uh, And that was it then I just
4: sort of left it then Um, uh, When you look back At your O's career Although there were Some tough times Mixed in You must have enjoyed it Do you still keep in touch With any of your teammates?
1: Yeah like I say Warren Hackett um, Still keep in touch with um, Not as many as I'd like to Really uh, In all fairness I think I'm sure Terry Would probably agree I know Terry keeps in touch With with some of the boys As well from, From back in the day But I think you just Kind of Get yourself wrapped up In your own little bubble In your own little world And you kind of move on And you kind of Sort of not forget about your past and what you've done, but you kind of, you know, you, you create your own little, your own little world, and you tend to forget really, which is, you know, not not, not the best way to be. But I, I would love to have a reunion uh, and get back and see some of them boys from the back of the day. Definitely.
8: Yeah, uh, the thing is, well, uh, was I, I keep in touch like the wonder of WhatsApp? Um, yeah. The boys who got promoted in '89, we're all in a WhatsApp group together, and I think we're going to meet up this. This season at the, at the ground for a meal and, and, and maybe a drink. I don't know. There might be one or two, um, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, as I say, mate, if ever you want to just get, con- get in contact with anyone, you're more than welcome to come, mate. As I say, you're a good lad, you're a terrific lad. Yeah, I, I
1: was
8: going to say I was going to bring up. I'm, I'm pretty certain Terry might have it up, but the old um, the old boat trip. Is, uh, <laughs> I was I was going
1: to mention it, mate. Yes. <laughs> I was, I was thinking I know
8: Terry's going to mention that. <laughs> what I would say while I was listening to you, you seem to have um, um, de- developed your brain skills a lot in the years since I've seen you. <laughs> right, when you go off there, I might share it with everyone. You know, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, that tickles me. I've never ever. I mean, as I'm getting older, I mean, I'm nearly touching fifty now. And my brain's not working as it
1: as it probably did.
8: Just worried. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. but, but you know that will stick with me for well forever and yeah. ever till I go But I mean that was one of the yeah the dumbest moments of my life. I think. Terry, <laughs> Terry,
4: tell you, tell you know. Yes. Well, Mike, it's been great catching up with you. And let's hope we get to see you back at the club one day. You'll always be Welcome in the supporters' club for a, a cheeky definitely. half, as they say.
1: Most definitely. And again, I'll, I'm following the O's and having a great home form. And, and with Kelly Jacket, as I said, he's a great manager, and I think to
4: get promoted this season, definitely Wonderful, Let, let's hope so And if we do, make sure you're down there And we can have a celebratory beer with you I
1: oh, will do, and
4: thanks all And uh, hope everyone's well and take care all Thanks mate,
1: see you soon
4: Take care Wazza okay, Well there you go, Mark Warren Phoning in from deepest Cambridgeshire And uh, that, was, that was good value for 20 odd minutes there now So I think we're going to move on now To um, Dave Victor's view And it's all it's queued up any second now
6: Saturday's match was about what could and should have been. There is no doubt that there should have been at least one penalty. There could have been more. The O's had four strong appeals. The first looked like it should have been a straightforward decision for the referee after Hewitt had clearly handled, but Benjamin Speedy waved away Layton Owens' protest. Post-match, I was impressed by the way in which Kenny Jacket refused to be drawn as to whether the referee was right or wrong. Good or bad? The message from the Orient Boss, a simple but important one. Get on with it. Focus on what you can control and influence from Jacket's perspective, what matters is that his side were getting in good positions and creating opportunities, which is more than Mansfield managed, despite the fact that Danny Johnson was leading the Stags' attack. The former Orient top scorer denied even a half-chance by a defence that looked assured and in command. The presence of Lawrence Viguru in goal inspires confidence. Omar Beckles is a genuine leader. The physical strength and mental resilience of Mitchell and Ogi belies their youth. But whilst the defenders excelled, it was a frustrating afternoon for Leighton Orient strike force. Harry Smith deserved greater protection from the officials. I lost count of the number of times I described the rough treatment that he received throughout the match. Drinnen, Archibald and Soturio could... And probably should have scored. The O's, though, in good company. None of the top three sides managed to score at the weekend, each locked in goalless draws. But next Saturday's opponents, Port Vale, did find the back of the net to secure their third straight victory. The Vale moving up to just outside the automatic promotion places. Tom James is going to miss our trip to the Potteries, having picked up his fifth yellow card of the campaign. He will be missed. James has been outstanding a robust defender who delivers accurate crosses, long throws and dangerous set pieces. It'll be interesting to see how Kenny replaces him.
4: Dave, I think you're right. It will be interesting to see how Kenny replaces him. And so, yeah, Port Vale next Saturday. Uh, Let's have a look at this one then. So we take on the Vale. We're on a bit of a run with three straight wins and they're the only side to beat Forest Green this season with the 2-0 win at Rovers back in August. Jamie Proctor is their danger man and has five goals to his name already this season. He's another big striker at six foot two, so Harry Smith will probably be picking him up at set plays and such. Our record here isn't great with two wins from our last 10 visits, although we did win here last season with James Brophy grabbing the late winner uh, in the 3-2 win. Richard, I suppose with this being second versus fourth encounter, both sides will be looking to make a statement in terms of getting a win against a rival.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think as you said there, you know, they've won their last three. So, you know, had you been looking at it a little while ago, they were well down there. Um... At the moment, again, I say this all the time when we're playing away, I'll take a point, but the way we're playing at the moment and the way we're looking, you know, I'm starting to feel disappointed if we don't pick up three points, whether it's home or away at the moment. Um, But I think, you know, with them in fourth and they're they're hitting form, they've got some good players. You mentioned the top scorer. I know they've got um, the wings. Dave Worrell on the wing as well seems to be doing quite well. Um, So they've definitely got points that we need to look out for. It's it's a shame Tom James is out because I think that could... You know, what happens there, I don't know. Whether it's Craig Clay moves to right back, whether Mitchell moves and Danny Happy comes into the team, um, you know, I'm not sure. So it'd be interesting to see what we do there and how that will affect the play. Um, but I'm, I'd say, like, at the moment, I'm, I'm feeling fairly confident going into most games. So, um, you know, at the moment, I'd say, I'd, you know, nil nil draw probably at we now on the back of that. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think we're certainly good enough to get a, a good result there, I'd say. Yeah, who do you think?
4: Kenny would think of bringing in I mean we've mentioned Mitchell going to right back and maybe even Craig Clay do you think he
5: might even just you know, go for a flat back four and see how we go to be honest I mean I, I wouldn't change the formation that drastically yeah I think we stick with what we've got I mean we you know we've got uh, Dan Happy was on the bench last game so he can move into that middle now I mean then you know I think the issue with that is we've got two left footed centre backs in there then with Ogie as well um, so but Mitchell I think I mean on, on that Flat back three, Mitchell's almost playing a kind of a right back position anyway. He's not pushing forward. So, you know, Terry will be able to tell you more than me. But, you know, it's how different is that role, the attacking part of it? Can, can Mitchell do that to his game? As he Can he put those crosses in and those set pieces like Tom James does? Maybe not. But I don't think we'll change it. Um, I'd, I'd keep with a, a winning formula, if you like. So I think you know, maybe we will move Mitchell out there. I mean, it could be Craig Clay because he's did that, I think, in pre-season games as well. against Spurs. Yeah, Yeah, to be honest with you, I like Craig Clay in the middle and although I do like him anywhere on the pitch, I think he's a great player. He's got a really good engine as they say but, you know, for me, I'd rather see him in the middle but, Again, I wouldn't be surprised if it is Clay that moves back there and Kipriano just comes in maybe. Um, That would kind of make sense as well and and seem like a Kenny jacket move, I think. Yeah,
4: I was going to say to Terry, do do you think you might see Kipriano being brought back or even Dan Kemp might get a start?
8: Yeah, I mean, it all depends on the mentality that Kenny approaches it with. As I say, I don't think he'll want to change a system. Tough game away from home. As uh, Richard just said, stick with kind of what we've been doing. Um, I don't know. I've not seen Mitchell play as a fullback, so I don't know if he's if he's sort of a defensive. It'll be a defensive one, or you know. But I think it will set us up to be solid. Um, Kipriana could come in and do a, a good job there. Retains the ball. Well, he's a nice footballer. So I mean, so I think we might. Kenny might be a little bit conservative, uh, certainly to start the game on Saturday, and he won't want to disrupt too much.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I should think that Val Park wasn't on your list of favourite places to play back in the day. Yeah. Well, what do you think we'll need to do to get a decent result there?
8: Well, we, I think you know sometimes you have to um, play the long game, not not in terms of the hitting the ball long, but play the long game where you you, you know the longer the game goes, nil nil, it's, it's a better result for us up there than them a draw. Um, I never won at Val Park. It was it was always um, a very very difficult place to go. I think they just had they've still got one of the biggest pitches, yeah. uh, and, and God, I, I run most of the runs <laughs> on that pitch chasing the ball. I mean back back when we were playing uh, when they under John Rudge, always had a very good side. Uh, Port Vale, you know, they was up there with the Stokes and the West Broms each season, and as I say, it's a very tough place to go to.
4: Yeah, would do you think that game could be won or lost?
8: Well. Uh, it, it, it'll be interesting looking at the game. It'll be interesting to see how they set up because as I say teams are making provisions for for, for Orient, which is a which is a, you know feather in our cap that teams are looking at that. So um, I, I'm not too sure where it be won and lost, but I'll be interested to see what their mentality is going into the game. Whether they're looking and thinking, well, you know, let's keep it tight and whatever. I don't think they'll want to come out too much at us uh, because you know we have we have got some tools there that, that can undo them.
4: Mm, yeah. Do you think Richard that? We might actually, you know, take take the game to him a little bit more with like uh, Kemp being slipped in, maybe
5: Kemp. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like Dan Kemp. I'm a big fan, but I just at this moment in time, he's just not fitting into the system that Kenny. Since Kenny's changed the system after mm. the Harrogate game, he's, he's just not fitting into it. Mm. Um, I mean, I like you mentioned earlier. Actually, I thought possibly he could have come on on Saturday, um, but we just weren't going for that. I could see we just he just wasn't going to sort of bring that change in. Um, I, I don't think, again, I'll, I'll be surprised if Kemp does start. Um, I'd like to see it, but, you know, that would probably mean changing the system, which I, I think, you know, we would be we shouldn't do at the moment. Yeah. Um, but quite possibly, if things aren't, you know, moving on, Kemp's the sort of player I think that he can bring in to, to maybe make that difference with yeah. sort of 15, 20 minutes to play, maybe. He's a nice
8: option to have there, you know, because yeah, exactly, he will yeah. bring something different if, if needed be. Yeah.
5: yeah. I mean, Terry, I mean, Shifting
4: to a three-four-three three has definitely kick-started our campaign because I think it suits our players more. Who do you think really works the best in that? Is it, is it Beckles or is is it even Shadrach? I mean, um, I, I, in all
8: honesty, uh, Jamie, I've not seen I've not seen enough of the games this season to really answer that. Uh, like, wouldn't be confident about it. Um, I, I think as just say that you, you sometimes you have to a manager might have to change what he likes to do to suit the players he's got and he's done that you know as you say it, it seems to be suiting our system the players seem very comfortable within that so but, but in all honesty you know it's, it's difficult to know between Stragerack and Beckles who it would suit better
4: yeah I think what's impressed a lot of people this year is our, actually phys- our physicality of the team I think it's been ramped up more than a notch and I think that's why we're competing at a higher level this year
5: yeah I mean it's a good spine we've got as well I mean in my opinion we've got the best keeper in the division uh, Beckles in the middle then Prattley and Smith up front I mean that, that's a great spine to have in the team for, for the level we're at um, and throwing you know Theo Archibald on the left who you know Lincoln must have a great team to be able to let him go out because you know he's he's as good as a left player I mean I, I thought we'd struggle to replace Brophy but mm-hmm. dare I say it and I was a big Brophy fan that he's probably a step up from Brophy and, and Brophy ironically is in League 1 and he's now in League 2 but you know Paul Smith to come back again I say I've said this before i haven't I've, I haven't seen him yet this season I saw him in preseason and he was he was really good I thought so I'm looking forward and apparently he's back in training now so I'm looking forward to him coming back um, and you know we know how good Adam Thompson was last year um you know we're we really now with Shadrach coming through because whether he's come through a lot quicker than Kenny Jacket thought because we got Mitchell in but at the moment i'd have Sadrack starting over Dan Happy and I've always liked Dan Happy but he, you know in the last year or so I'll be honest his, his game hasn't quite been as good as it was um, so you know we're starting to get these options back now we're starting to have a very strong squad um, and I think Thompson's not too far away I'm sure I read recently as well mm-hmm. from, from coming back into training so we're interested in what I mean I, at this moment if everyone was fit I, I wouldn't know what our strongest 11 would be to be honest I, I like the team we've had out for the last few yeah. games I really do it shows so much you know Effort when he plays, and you can see that he's got a goal in him as he's, you know, as he's been scoring as well. And you know, if we had the pace of Smith, the pace of Archibald, I mean, you know, we could have some really good games coming up when this squad's fit and raring to go. So I'm looking forward to these players being in the team.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Terry. I mean, you've obviously played in the promotion-winning side. I mean, do you, do you get the vibe that you know we're on the right track here? You know, it's it's, it's, it's gearing up for a, a decent run at promotion this season
8: for sure for sure you know for, for the reason that Richard just said you know we, we look like we've got a, a lot of all round strength we've got pace in the team um we've we've got players that um can change a game um you just alluded to it there with 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 like the playing in the fourth uh, sorry the whole fourth of the league <laughs> two now so showing me age um you, although much more football is played than back in my day, you still have to have that ability to, t- you know, say, to have the, 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 the strength to have days where you're not playing great, but say, you know, what we're going to be hard to beat today. And it seems like that's developing, you know, um, which can only be a, a good thing. And and just going back to, uh, you know, with Dan Happy, I, I think with the other boys now, that, that they've just got that little bit more... I always said with Danny's a good footballer. Probably lacks, you know, half a yard a yard of pace. And I think sometimes, you know, he could get a little bit sort of not bullied. That's not the right word. But he, these boys look a bit more uncompromising that are playing at the back, and um, that's a big thing. And you, you'd be surprised at how much confidence that gives in the rest of the team when they look and see boys saying, "You ain't going to go past me." You know, it, it does spread a, a, a very good vibe throughout the team.
4: Yeah, and do, do you think there's a lot more like? drive going on like captaincy, why do you think Prattley has made a massive difference for us?
5: Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing Prattley years ago, and I, I remember at the time thinking he's exactly the sort of midfielder that i, I you know, I, I've always thought that centre midfield position is such a, you need such a leader, such a, a player to influence you from there, from Steve Castle to Steve Dawson to Romain Vincelot, um, and to a slightly lesser extent, but Craig Easton, mm. you know, I, that sort of midfielder in the middle makes such, I'm it's really gutted. He's 36, to be honest. Yeah. I just wish he was you know, a good six, seven years younger. Um, but, you know, at that age, he was playing a lot higher than we are now. And, you know, I, I just I'd love to get someone else in there as well, because I do feel that the only position we're slightly light on is probably his centre mid. Because if, if Prattley's injured, obviously, we brought Callum Riley in. He's, he's injured again at the moment. He's probably I think I saw he's sort of three or four weeks away yeah, or three or four games away yet yeah, from coming back. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he does. And then you've really just got Hector and Craig Clay in there. So, you know, one or two injuries in the middle, I think we could struggle a bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's made a massive influence. He's, he's not quite as direct as I thought he would be, but that's, mm. that's probably his age now. And he's, he has to sort of stay back a little bit and, and spray it around a bit more. But, you know, I don't think I've seen a better centre midfielder against us this season than Darren Prattley anyway.
8: The, um, the, the leadership point you make is a very valid one. And when, when I've sort of been coming over... Um, obviously not during the lockdown or weather, but when I was watching uh, before that and I always felt like we, we lacked leaders on the pitch. And now you look around and go, We have you know, Beckles and um Bradley, the goalie the goalie, you know, he 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 seems to me like he, he organises and which is a very important thing as well. And um not only does, obviously, that help to have Leeds, but it really helps the younger players. It takes a lot of pressure off of them because they can just get on with playing their game, whereas before, everyone was kind of looking at each other a little yeah. bit. And, and obviously, from the side as well, there wasn't a lot of great direction coming from from the dugout either.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, for, for younger listeners, I should think, Terry, that didn't see Steve Carson and his pomp, could you just like... You know, just just for my, not for my benefit because I was lucky enough to see it, but just just run through his qualities and what he brought to Leo's. Well,
8: well Steve, Steve was um, epitomised everything that a captain should be. You know, he led by example. You know, he, he'd run through the proverbial brick wall for you. You know, he was vocal on the pitch. He was demonstrative on the pitch, and he scored goals. You know, for fun. His, his record is phenomenal as a goal scoring midfielder. And you know, Steve would be. I mean, Steve was a good footballer, but he wasn't a player that would would go past players, or you know. That wasn't his game But driving into the box And, and like He was like a lower division uh, Brian Robson of that time You know That's the You know Very two peas in a pod You know And um, I can't speak highly Of uh, what player he was For the club
4: Yeah Decent left foot I think you're Trif- le- fine
8: Yeah sure. Terrific left foot he yeah, didn't, have, didn't have much of a right one But he didn't, <laughs> he didn't need
4: that With that left peg yeah, he, he, he stood in it more often Than not I should think yeah. So gentlemen uh, What do you think We're looking we're doing to wind the sharp In a couple of minutes We're looking for predictions For Saturday
5: I'll go for two one or um, two one. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. so I'm going into uh, Harry Smith, during, and I'm I'm confident going into most games at the moment. I will say like even if we draw, normally I'd be happy with that away. But it seems to give me the ump if we draw away at the moment <laughs> as well. So you know I'll go for a two one win. Nice. I like your
4: confidence, Terry. Well, I'll be a
8: bit boring then, and I'll sit on the fence and say oh, I would take a draw. I understand fully what Richard's saying, but um, draw not the end of the world at the weekend. I
4: was going to say it's one of those places that we don't really get many wins or many goals so i'll you know i'll i'll, I'll go for a 1-1 a hard a fought 1-1 draw there at val park well i'm looking at the clock and it says 5-2 so maybe it's time to get barry's um, extended remix on um, it just leaves me to say thanks for tuning in uh, can i say a huge thanks to nick for guiding me through the studio of course thank you to our guests mark warren for phoning in richard priest barry galvin and of course legendary mr terry howard good night and up the o's
3: We're not a city, we're not a town We're the only one of us around And you know where we can be found When Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the vest Whatever challenge, whatever test We're an Orient from E-10 an Orient from E-10 This is our club and we are proud So sing it up and sing it loud We were formed in 1881 Clan's and orange and so begun The old story and on it runs We lay an Orient from each ten Whatever challenge has come our way The Orient faithful are here to stay We will live to fight another day We lay an Orient from each ten Lay an Orient From me ten This is our club and we are proud So sing it up and sing it loud We're not a city, we're not a town We're the only one of us around So you know where we can be found When Saturday comes again Trying to do our best To cheer all those on who will the best Whatever challenge, whatever test, we'll lay an from me 10 Lay and from me 10 Lay and orient.
2: This is Phoenix 98FM.
6: Hi, it's Darren. Join me every Wednesday night for Reggae Revival. Two hours of classic reggae dub and a sprinkling of lover's rock. Listen live on 98FM via the website or catch up on Spotify. Wednesdays, 10pm till midnight. Reggae Revival on Phoenix FM. If it pains you that we live in a world where nobody has heard of Spearmint, join me, Gareth Williams, every Thursday at 10 here on Phoenix FM for Indie Schmindy. Two hours of brilliant 90s indie alternative from rock. Yes, we'll have Blur, Oasis, Suede and the like, but we'll also play the bands you don't hear on radio that often anymore, including Pavement, Octopus, Mercedes, and of course Spearmint. That's Indie Schmindy, Thursdays at 10 pm.
2: Community Radio for Brentwood and Billericay, this is Phoenix FM. On the hour,
3: across Brentwood and Billericay,
4: this is Phoenix FM
3: News.